Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Jaws 2, starring Roy Scheider, Murray Hamilton, Joseph Mascalo, and Lorraine Gary. Directed by Jeannot Schwark. Released in 1978 on a budget of 20 to $30 million, grossed over $208 million in its box office run. So, much like its predecessor, until Star Wars, it, it held a record as a box office grows. You know, until Star Wars, Jaws was the biggest movie of all time. And then until The Empire Strikes Back a couple years later, Jaws 2 was the biggest sequel of all time. So no doubt Universal saw the value in doing a sequel here, but I've always been fascinated by the backstory of how this came to be because the the initial pitch was let's do an Indianapolis movie. You know, Alpha, that, that speech from Quint, and the head of the studio was like, yeah, that's cool. No, we're not doing that. You know, and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're, we're cashing in. So that got settled. And then they hired like this dramatic director, uh, to, to do this dark, like Amity's run down and the mobs, you know, pissed because they can't make any money and that, you know, all of this. And, and the developer's going to build a hotel and they're all like worried. And then the shark comes back and some of that got to hang around, but like the dark tone of, the film and all that stuff, like they shot a little bit of it. Everybody was like, no. And then they moved production out of Martha's Vineyard and went to friggin' Florida and basically made a Friday the 13th movie before those were like in existence. Like to me, I've always felt like Jaws 2 is a slasher movie, but I've never put the timeline together right. It actually came out before all of that craze hit in the late 70s and early 80s. So it's the proto slasher movie just with a shark. I guess that's one way you can put it. Um, yeah, as far as Jaws 2 goes, uh, my background in this movie, um, this is actually the first Jaws movie that I saw. I never saw any of the uh, Jaws movies in theaters. Uh, little, I wasn't even born yet. My parents weren't even married yet when these were all out. <laughs> so, yeah, when these mostly were kind of, you know, like those Saturday afternoon movies that you'd see on uh, like TBS or USA. And I remember watching a lot of these, especially with my cousins and everything when we were little, you know, Saturday afternoons at the grandparents' house or whatever. And this one was always kind of what I when – I, when you always talked about Jaws, this one was always the one that kind of came up to mind as far as like the tropes within this movie and everything. And yeah, it's just interesting you saying that this was like one of the biggest <laughs> movies, you know, as far as sequels go, you know, especially when it came out and that the uh, director is a dramatic director. I guess my question is, um, Spielberg, was he even asked to come back for this movie or did he just kind of like say, no, I'm not going to do sequels until Indiana Jones? Well, he, he initially said no. And so they moved on and he protested, but they said, you know, we're doing this anyway. And then that dramatic director, John D. Hancock, was actually off the project. And then they brought in Schwartz to, to finish this, essentially, and really just to do it, because very little of it, what Hancock had put together, even got used. Um, and it, they strong-armed a lot of people into this. Like, Roy Scheider did not want to do this at all, and he did it as a, if you'll let me out of my contract, then I'll do it. Because he wanted to go do other stuff. He did not want to be the shark sheriff. 
And so they they got him back. Him and Schwartz did not get along on the set. They you know, there's lots of it's more of just disagreements about how it should go. They didn't like personally hate each other, I don't think, or maybe they buried that years later. But they 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 didn't like you know go fisticuffs or anything. But it's it's kind of like if you read stories about Hoosiers and Gene Hackman and the director like literally went at each other the entire shoot. It's the same stuff. It just you know he didn't want to be there and he was just trying to do something a little more. I don't know, deeper and dramatic. And I think it shows Brody's role in this is it's central, but it's not nearly as arc filled as before. So they, you know, they brought in Schwartz because he could do on budget stuff and he understood how to shoot action. And the biggest reason they, they went with him is he said, look, we're never going to have the initial surprise of the shark coming out of the water again. We've already done that. Let's not try to recreate that. Let's show the shark a lot. Let's show it from the beginning. Let's shoot from the back of the shark and let's get more shots of the shark. And he even came up with the idea of let's let's mark the shark in some way so the shark gets the burnt face. And he's the one that really created the the shark should just be the the killer running around, you know, trying to kill everybody. And that's why I say it's proto slasher. It's the funny thing is that I've always thought, well this sort of just barred from that. But really this one was way before all this. This is before Halloween comes out later in the same year, but it's well before Friday the 13th and all the knockoffs. So I, I do agree with you, though, that this is the one people think about when they think of what are Jaws tropes. You know, like we talked about Rocky three really is kind of the Rocky trope movie. That's the one everybody kind of thinks of when they think of Rocky tropes. I think the same thing with Jaws is people think of Jaws two when they think of the shark tropes and it's the same mechanical shark. It still didn't really work that well. They got it to work enough, I think. And moving the location helps some, but seawater is, is hell on mechanical stuff. I mean, it just is. And so they, you know, they, they've never really got around that problem, but uh, you know, the, I like the idea here is if you're going to do this again, short was right about one thing. You're never going to get the suspense of that shark coming again. And, you're never going to get the uh, novelty of this thing being here and we don't know what this is because we do know one person here that knows what this is. I mean, he's clear into you know, what the, the problem is here. And so I like the idea of we, we borrow a little bit of that stuff from the town in the book that we didn't use, you know, that they're more interested in the prophet and they, they're really not interested in his shark drama. Uh, this time, and I thought that was was a smart call, story-wise, at least to take this one. Interesting direction that they decided to go with this movie, too. I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but it's like changing kind of like the whole nature of the movie where the last one was about, you know, three guys being out there. They really started doing that teenage stuff, you know, like you're mm-hmm. saying, even before the slasher movie's doing it by making this kind of more teenage-centric. I'm wondering if they're doing that because they realize that teenagers are going to be kind of the... Uh, the big crowd for this movie per se. So it's going to be like, let, let's kind of put them as far as the people in, in the, uh, you know, the victim role and everything. But I guess, you know, before we even get into that a little bit more, we should probably do a plot summary. Don't you think? Oh yes. Go ahead, Nick. Why don't you tell us what the jaws two is all about? All right. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's been a few years since the shark attacks at Amity uh, since the shark attacks at Amity Island while the kids have grown up. Wait, let me do this again. Sorry. <laughs> you love my edit. You love that. I give you all this editing stuff. Jay. <laughs> it's been a few years since the shark attacks at Amity Island. And while the kids have grown up, some so has chiefs. So Jay, that sucks. <laughs> 
It's been a few years since the shark attacks at Amity Island, and while the kids have grown up, so has Chief Brody's paranoia about what lurks lurks in the deep. Following the disappearance of a pair of divers, Brody voices his warnings, but the town leaders will hear none of it. Brody shoots a school of fish, mistaking the blurry mass for a shark, and he is removed from office. Well, I guess back then it didn't take very much. but um, <laughs> There's a little more to it, but yeah. Yeah, you shot the water, you were out. <laughs> there was a beach full of people, that's also true. However, there is indeed a second shark terrorizing the island seas. When a group of kids fall victim to the beast and are adrift in the open water, Brody races to rescue ultimate. Wait. Oh, to the rescue. Yep. However, there is indeed a second shark terrorizing the island seas. When a group of kids fall victim to the beast and are adrift in open water, Brody races to the rescue, ultimately tricking the shark into biting a live power line, killing it, and probably plunging the island into a panic darkness for many days to come. <laughs> Why the hell is there a power line all the way out there? That now, looks like it's going towards the ocean. Where, that, no, 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 no. They, 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 that's a great trope set up. They set that whole set up, cable junction. It's just out in the Gulf. It's just an anchored thing. But they, they set that up. You got to have somewhere to, to line power to the island and there would be a place where it would, it would have to do a path through. I grew up as the kid of a power worker. So I learned a lot more about how that would work than maybe I should know. But that makes total sense to me. But the part of it, and again, those last words are echoing my father's, you know, thoughts in my head there of well the shark's dead but nobody's got lights for weeks now <laughs> because that, that, that main if, to do that kind of damage that's the main line son that uh, pretty well put them in darkness so you know brody once again has murdered the economy of amity <laughs> in july but, but that uh, power line is just like it's so easily to grab that thing and pull it up I'm well just they set like, it up i mean they set it up early on that is not i i don't think osho was around back then i don't think that's probably the smartest thing in the world because you could have a boat drive right by there and just chop its freaking you, propeller into you there. would think i mean it's, no it's it's a yeah. bad design it's a yeah. bad design yeah i mean you work in manufacturing and construction and things that that's the kind of thing that like we need to rethink that <laughs> possibility and maybe we should rethink the idea of dredging the bottom with hooks when we know there are a lot of power lines around but we'll get to that yeah and people we, are complaining about yeah. the oil pipeline look at the amityville <laughs> electrical pipeline out there this was 1978 nobody cared about anything okay so i mean they, we really didn't it, was, it wasn't that a pair, i'm gonna yeah i'll agree they didn't care about anything even the way that they looked you see those shorts <laughs> on those guys oh my did, god dude you see the haircuts on these allegedly hot women i mean good grief let's we'll there was women that. in this movie i thought there were well, I, th I thought those were boys. There are alleged teenage girls in this film with very frizzy hair. You're right. It, it is the idea of let's have teenagers and all that. But I, Schwartz actually cut down a lot of that because it, that was much more involved in the other script. And he said, let's kind of sack some of those teenage storylines. Let's just focus in on a few. We'll just have a few of them. And it really needs to be about the shark. It's, I mean, his whole thing is this movie is about the friggin' shark. And I don't think he's wrong in this case. The problem is, is the last time, and it was based on science that had not been developed well yet, but there was at least an explanation as to why a shark like that would hang around in an area. It found a food source, and it just hangs around until the food source dries up. So Brody's inclination, along with Hooper's, was right. Is if you just keep everybody out of the water for a little while, it'll just go away because there won't be anything else to feed on. It's not like you have seals hanging around there. 
this time, this shark, and, and Brody even asked the woman on the beach about it, we can talk about, seems like he's hell-bent for leather on revenge. <laughs> From the opening shot, they waste no time in setting up what the mood of this film is, because the, the music, Nick, the, I mean, they use the Jaws theme, but the music this time is much more what I would call horror tropish than before. I mean, it's it's eerie. We're underwater with these divers, and then out of friggin' nowhere comes the shark. You know, I, I was reading on the internet that uh, apparently, like the novelization for this hinted that this was the mate of the other shark. <laughs> I now, have never read that, uh, and uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yes, you know, and the, apparently enough that the uh, shark from part four is the offspring of both of these sharks. <laughs> that the shark in the first one was a guy. And this is the girl shark, and she's out on a little bit of a lover's revenge, you know, right now against Brody for taking away her mate. So I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> as, I mean, as the scientist on the beach so expertly says, sharks don't think things personally, Mister Brody, and she's not wrong. They don't. They don't that, well, I'm glad they didn't go with that because that would have made this even you know dumber. Like I compared before, I said this is kind of like my the way I feel about Halloween too. Compared to Halloween, is I feel a little Jaws too to, to Jaws. It's not the original, but I enjoy parts of it. If I'm able to accept in my brain that everyone here is going to do the dumbest thing possible, to make well, not the plot even that, but even at, but even like just adding kind of like this, kind of like in Halloween too, we got to accept the really dumb plot element that Michael Myers is related to Laurie Strode. You didn't need mm. to do that, and now it's like now we got to take like almost like now in the Jaws movies where we got to just accept that there's another gigantic bigger than anybody's ever seen shark out there in the same waters on the same coast at the same time. I mean, it's almost like die hard where it's like, <laughs> how, can how, it? how can a, how can a man on Christmas Eve fall into, you know, like two, you know, how can this happen to a guy again? You know what I mean? And it's oh, like, no, you're right. with, yeah. with Brody too. I'm like thinking this guy was already scared of the water in the first movie. And all that shit happens last movie. Are we supposed to take that maybe he, like, conquered his fear of the water? Like, kind of like Ellen Ripley, like, was going out in Aliens to conquer her, like, you know, PTSD by taking the thing head on. Was that kind of, like, his thing? And, like, maybe he's better now? I, or, I don't think so. He I'm seems thinking, to be more I'm scared thinking, of it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. get the hell off the island, you know what I mean? It's like, boy, you'd have a badass resume. Like, oh, I was chief of police and I killed single-handedly a 25-foot shark. I mean christ i mean chicago would be like yeah you want to come here and clean up our streets you know <laughs> i think it the thing he'd is be the, he'd be the giuliani of new york well, let, in the 70s if he would have went there let's think about the where the brodies are here because you're right the kids are growing grown up i mean like massive growth spurt in three years mike is now this you know 17 year old angsty teenager who looks like he could be an extra on the brady bunch and then he's got his younger brother who for years i was convinced was joey lawrence and he's not he just looks like him uh, but and I don't know who the, the dude is, but he he looks like Joey Lawrence. It, you got those two, and then Ellen Brody now is like she works for a local developer and for the mayor's office, so she's doing the whole career thing. They seem to be less together than ever before. Like the, it's like they they've sort of grown apart. Like he, they even have that one scene where he pulls a body out of the sea from the water ski accident. We'll talk about in a minute. And and she's in there, you know, going, hey, you want to talk about it? And he's like, nah, it's just routine. And, like, you can tell there's a distance between them, you know, that just sort of happens over time. I don't think he's over it at all, Nick. I think this dude is twisted, and I think this – I get the sense, and they don't play it up in the script because this is a pretty lean film to be almost two hours long. I mean, it doesn't waste time to move here. They play it up as if 
every time something bad happens, he he yells shark, and they're just the mayor and everybody's just kind of like, we're kind of over the shark thing that happened a few years ago. You need to let it go. And like he's well, like, I, I it almost I think that's true ate to life, me. man. That's true to life because you <laughs> no. know anytime anything bad happens, you know. You know, like big disasters, it's like people end up, you know, kind of forgetting about it after two years and kind of going back to the status quo. I mean, right. even look at something like 9-11, everybody's all together for like six months and then we're all back to hating each other seven months later. I mean, it's kind of the thing. Better example of 9-11, nobody wanted to fly on a plane. Now people do and they just put it with the hassle of it and it becomes like a routine for five million comedians. You know, I mean, that's that's what happens. And I think that's what's happened here is everybody's kind of moved on. The other thing is, too, and they cannot hide it. It's so obvious they are not shooting anywhere near the same kind of place. If, you, if you've been to the beaches around the world, the beaches on the Atlantic coast have a different kind of sand to them, and they they look different. And, and, th- and the water looks different. It's supposed to. That's part of the, the thing. If you're in the beaches around the Gulf, and this is you know my part of the world here, the beaches are sugary, sandy. The water's pretty. You can see for miles. It's always hot as hell. And it's, you know, it's a much nicer place to be. And the people there probably like them being there more than the people in Martha's Vineyard. But it doesn't look anything the same. It's like the whole town got a facelift in three years. And they, they opened up a Holiday Inn and everybody acts like it's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, that, I would think people that were lived off the bed and breakfast crowd would friggin' hate a Holiday Inn opening up in their town. Yeah, I definitely there. think it would. <laughs> Plus, Holiday Inn suck. <laughs> you understand Holiday Inn? Hey, in the like, 70s and I, 80s, I, those I, were the thing. I don't <laughs> care. I'm taking my 2016 perspective at this. I, I travel a lot for business. I spend a lot of time in hotels. I hate Holiday Inn. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> they will not be sponsoring this podcast anytime. Oh, please. I don't care. So, <laughs> ha- well, I, I'll, maybe we'll get Hampton in. So let's talk about something back. else here that, that's happening. Because we, we talked a little bit about Brody and Mrs. Brody there and the kids. We'll, we'll get to the teenagers in a minute. But the mayor, first, how did he get reelected? Because you had to figure three years is enough for an election cycle to happen. How did he get reelected? He's the mayor of friggin' Shark City. And everybody are you, talk, you, are you talking about like a real kind of evilish guy with a bad haircut getting elected come on jay <laughs> well he does i gotta say murray hamilton good character actor he looks like they woke him up on a couch somewhere and rolled him in in the clothes he passed out in to do his scene does he not he looks terrible in this movie. he does he looks he looks very weathered i think he uh he he's enjoying the craft services pretty good on the first jaw set. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, yeah. <laughs> well, because they they had created this whole other character, this Lynn Peterson, this developer, and I called him the town business douche. You know, to be there, which this guy like apparently, if you're a Days of Our Lives fan, you love this guy. He's Stefano. What what the hell ever? Uh, he was your big evil guy, and I've seen him in other stuff like that too. So I knew I'd seen him work for years, but. I'm watching him on the scene, on the movie here, and I'm like, it's like they put all of the mayor's crap on him because, for whatever reason, Murray just wasn't getting it done anymore, or they were bored with him. I don't know which one it was, but it was a very uh, strange Maybe, or, or trying to add some new villainy into the thing. I mean, if they have the mayor being the uh, voice of non-reason, I mean, I guess, I guess to do that again would be a little bit too much. But then again, they've done everything else the same in this movie anyway, so what would be the, you know, well, why that, change that? That's the thing, you're right. It's So much of it is the same, except that they set up the beats different. And we should get into the plot, you know, proper here. The, the opening diver said, I do like this, these guys are taking a pictures of the downed orca 
And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I was like, yeah, that, you know, I felt like I was watching South Park. I was like, oh, I remember the Orca, you know. So I was like, oh yeah. And a good sequel, though, especially one in this era, you got to remember there's no VHS. There's you know there's very limited TV exposure at this point. So people remember Jaws from the year and a half it was probably in the theaters. And uh, the movie's already got the greatest marketing tagline ever, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. I mean, gosh, how many times has that been stolen and re rehashed? So they, they've got that, and then they're like right out of the gate, hey, remember the, how that first movie ended? The boat's down. And so here it is. The problem is that there's a little continuity thing, and it's always made me laugh, is the shark in the first one destroyed the back end of that boat. Like there was no back end of the boat left. By the time he got done chomping through Quint, and there's a clear shot of the you know the stern there, and I'm like, well, I guess nobody cared, but it's it's one of those we're going to remind the audience of where we've been, and then throw them right back into the same situation because they might them, as well just they, they might as well just have like a dead shark carcass, on the <laughs> <laughs> sort of just hanging off over there on the side, the headless shark. Um, I yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, "Where's the shark cage?" And I guess you know, three years, the current's taking everything around. But you know, there's there's half a Quince body still floating down there. <laughs> I'm I mean, pretty, I'm pretty sure that shark uh, went ahead and swallowed him up before he got blown up by the compressed air. But, yeah, uh, but as you said, though, continuity's out the window at this point. So who cares? Show Quince half body down there. <laughs> well, and you know, maybe if it were made in a different time, they would have gone that way. Actually, made in a different time, they would have done what. A lot of other films did is they'd have shown us the end of the last one and then we'd pick up where we were again. But we we hadn't really got into that. Well, you know, you know what they could have done? They could have done them like flashbacks, but done it with like a character (laughs) that wasn't there to see it. But (laughs) maybe they'll do that in another movie. They might they might remember that idea later on down the line. But no, we we get the the divers at the Orca. And I love how, though, they set up this camera because, of course, it's just automatically taking itself. I'm not a photographer, per se, Nick, but I've had a few film cameras in my lifetime and i've dropped a few of them and not one time in dropping a camera has it ever decided to take photos for me it usually stopped taking photos when i dropped it that that was the end of it so i'm always amazed at the trope of the camera that gets dropped that starts taking pictures of the thing that made it drop Uh, maybe it's just one of those cameras that uh, maybe he had like an auto setting. <laughs> I don't know, Jay. I know, I man. Know. It, it, it is crazy, though. They throw us right into this thing. But the other thing, and then the next big scene, I mean, there's crap in the town. and There's a lot of this movie where, like, if you felt like you just could, if you could cut it down, it could be about 45 minutes. It'd be a great, you know, television show. But there's an hour of it that's just screwing around the town with these kids and their drama and all that crap. But what we really care about is the shark doing stuff. And the first good kill we get are the, the people water skiing in the day. And I, I do have to say, this is a good mix of footage here. They got the same people, Ron and Valerie Harper, to shoot live shark footage again for them. And the way that that's edited and spliced together with the chasing of the woman on the water ski and the fin and all that, I thought it looked really good. I mean, this is a, a good, exciting scene when the water skier is getting chased. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just kind of exciting in a way that, you know, we've all been out on the water, you know, screwing around or doing something. And I think that's always something that kind of comes in the back of our mind is, hey, you know what, there's like a shark coming after us or something like that. So I think it kind of hits like on a primal nerve. Um, I, I don't know how many times, like when I was a little kid, I'd be even be swimming in a pool. And I'd be like, what if there's a shark underneath <laughs> me, like looking up like Jaws view coming to get me? Well, I mean, that's exactly that. What you know, what's starting to happen is that those types of tropes start playing out, and that's what this movie played upon. Is you can't go anywhere near the water, and it's it's coming after you. And I do love how 
the the shark then attacks the boat and this woman's sense of fight or flight is all screwed up because she pours the gasoline out fires the flare gun to set it on fire and then yells i'm like maybe we should yell and shoot the flare and then go for the gas molotov cocktail of the shark that's i don't know she set herself on fire is the before it explodes is the thing but it gives us that great scene of the shark backing away slowly because it's on fire and it's like dang that's gonna leave a mark and it swims away and now the shark is gonna have a half a face that's all messed up yeah i guess you got to kind of make the shark look a little bit different in this one they kind of set it apart otherwise you know you're really really copying the other one i don't mind that it has like you know burn marks even though i kind of question how a shark's skin can you know what it would look like when it gets burned cool. I don't yeah know me like. too i don't know that it would look like that either yeah I, but they, I guess, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, I guess it's a way to kind of separate the villain this time. I mean, I guess it would have been a little bit cooler if they would have gave him like a hockey mask, you know, to cover up that burn. That would have been pretty neat. That was a few years later when they figured out that the, the <laughs> villain needed the mask. The, the thing is, though, this was the director's idea. It's like, we got to mark the shark. We got to make it more menacing looking because everybody's seen it now a million times. You know, Why not just make movie. they should have just made the shark pink? Showed her that it was a girl. <laughs> well, they weren't going to spend money on the shark. They haven't spent enough on it anyway to get it to work. So they is this is this is this is this Bruce again though? Is this, this the same? The same shark they, from... they had three sharks again, and one of them's the same one from last time. So yeah, the, the, the one of them's the same. So um, this one gets used a lot actually. I think it winds up getting used in the next one a little bit, and it gets used in Jaws: The Revenge again. So I mean, it's. Yeah, they have like three, they have a sled shark, and they have the face shark, and then they have the the full body pull shark, I think is what they called it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, you know, again, they worked and didn't work about as much as the last one, but they didn't do anything with, they didn't try to do barrels or any of that stuff this time. And I got to say, that's a smart move. The thing they, they figured out is how to get the friggin' fin to come up and down and do that. They run that in the water in this uh this film i mean it's every four minutes there's a friggin' fin coming up you know the, the holiday inn open and then the fin comes up like oh open the holiday inn all right you know and that's that's how the shark starts to work so uh, but i do like the, the shark does explosion. not like that holiday inn man he's a la quinta guy he is look he is all about the local business he is not playing with these chains but that, that's what it is uh but no i i like that we we back away from the shark for a little bit before we get into it anymore. I mean, we, we mess around with the teenagers and I mean, I, the thing that gets me about the teenagers, man, is that it seems to be really focused on Mike Brody, the teenager and how his dad wants him to get his job. His mom's like, nah, just screw around all summer. And like, they're having all that tension. And he's got his, you know, group of friends, the art Garfunkel look alike. And then, the last starfighters hanging around over there somewhere, I think. And, you know, there's, there's all these, or, or actually Arnie from, uh, Christine is hanging out over there, uh, somewhere. <laughs> last starfighter comes up in another Jaws film, but, uh, I mean, he's over there and then you've got the allegedly hot girls and his annoying little brother. And there's all that going on. Right. And torpedo boob girls. That's what I'm calling them. <laughs> you got that. And you got the two messing around on the beach and they run into the dead orca. Um, and, I, kind of, I gotta ask yeah. you that orca is this a shot at the movie orca when they I, had the orca kill a great white shark and they're like no now we're gonna kill your thing in the in our, in it movie. certainly could have been orca was one of those uh if you haven't seen that folks richard harris is not finest moment of cinema uh, before he started doing harry potter stuff he did exist many years before kids but yeah the orca movie that uh yeah that's probably a little shot of that the the actual truth of it is, is that the killer whale will totally take down a shark but probably not one as big as what jaws is purported to be so that's 
the other side of it. But uh, yeah, it, or, uh, or, oh my God. or yeah, if you've never seen that man, it is. I'm telling y'all, it's a uh, it's a classic uh, piece of trash cinema. So it, I mean, it really is. It it came out oh, about a year or two before this did. So. If you ever, if you if you ever want to watch a movie where they abort a, a killer whale, that movie is for you. Blackfish has nothing on Orca. <laughs> yeah, not even cl- yeah, really. So uh, your two best Orca films are Orca and Blackfish in that order. But yeah, no, I like the idea though that they set up how free, bad Free Willy Free Willy's <laughs> mad at you for that. Jay. Yeah, Free Willy can can bite it too, uh, but uh, um, and he believes he can still fly, but. The, the orca on the beach here, I like the way they set this up. because We get another scientist here, but we make it real clear early on that Hooper's not coming back, which the only reason Dreyfus didn't come back is because Spielberg wasn't doing this. And so that there was that. So they write him off in a phone call later. But they have this other science lady there who takes measurements and tells Brody that sharks don't think things personally. Because what Brody is doing is the irrational thing that everyone in the audience would have been saying is, could it be that a shark is coming to destroy the other shark? And she's like, no, that's not really how this works. But it gets played off, and they never go back to that. And I, I think this movie's trying to tell you, no, Brody's right. This shark is taking it personally. <laughs> but the science there makes total sense. Like, even as a kid, I was like, yeah, that did, I don't think this is a per- It's just another shark. It just happened. I, no, no, I, I disagree with her. I'm thinking, I'm taking it as it's personal this time. <laughs> I think that's two sequels it's, later. It's the only way that this movie works is if you got to take it that this does not – these aren't sharks. I don't know. I think what they should have done and this <laughs> is they should have opened up the movie with like some like marine biologist base or something. And like if they could have brought back Hooper for like one scene being like we're doing experiments on the sharks. And they're like, yeah, we experimented on one a while ago and it grew out of control and we you know, it broke out or something. And you know show that these are like genetically like engineered sharks or something th- like that i think what you I, want is deep blue sea that's that's what you're sounding like there. yeah yeah i mean just like that but it's just like you know yeah i get it. it's gonna like totally like spit on the first jaws but you know what though at least it might make this one a little bit more fun and going like yeah these are like crazy like man-made sharks and yeah it's you know it's got a personal vendetta against brody or something i, I think they will go with that later i actually like the fact that it it is the Die Hard 2 idea here of the same crap happens to the same dude again at happenstance. I think that actually adds a level of horror to it. No, it doesn't make any sense. It's no, but does, but does that work, though, in a movie like knows that the entire plot is ludicrous and they kind of like call it out in a meta way just to kind of like say like, yeah, we – we get what you're thinking. Well, no, that's, I think on. that's exactly what they're doing is like everyone you know, right is, now. Yeah. But I'm saying, does that work though? Does that yes. work? When they I, I think it totally it works because again, the focus is you want to see this torn up face shark go after these really annoying teenagers. Or if you were a teenager, which would have been the target audience at the time, you would say, Oh, these are like, it's chasing me and my friends. I can get a thrill out of that idea. Like, I think that's exactly what they're setting up here is what becomes standard slasher movie trope like you know if you go out drinking and sexing with your your friends bad things are going to happen we know that because we grew up watching horror movies but kids of the day hadn't had that experience these yet. kids aren't so. sexing though you know what i mean <laughs> oh, it's like whatever they, they, tina and they, they, eddie are getting it all you know that oh happens, like, yeah so. in a total pg way that's my thing is like why not make this movie r you know i, I get you know it's you're already gonna get people coming out there Throw because some boobs. money Throw some man boobs in 
They're trying to make money. But no way. The MPAA would have murdered them for that back then. There's, oh, the American way. You can show a shark eating a person, but you can't show a pair of boobs. Come that's on. exactly right. And look, the studio, again, this is universal. They, this is a property. Like They are not they're not hedging any bets of this. And, and they even talk about it. They're like, look, the budget, like there never was a budget for Jaws 2. They would have never greenlit us if we told them it was going to cost $30 million to make this. We were just spending Jaws 1 revenue to make this movie, and they figured we'd make it back. And you know what we did, so they never questioned us. But he said that's why the next two movies actually have a budget, though, because this one really didn't have one. It just They just kept doing it, and like one figure will take you 20, the producer will take you, it's more like 30. You know, to, to make the where do they work. put the money though? Oh it's God. all it's all in get. I'm telling you, it's all in the camera work and the sets because they had to build these floating things with all these sailboats screwed up all the time, and the helicopter and the cable junction and getting the shark to work. They spent a ton on that, and they had to pay Scheider some dough to to do this, and they paid. They paid the guy that ultimately rewrote the script like double what it would have cost him if they had just hired him to begin with. And so, like, they've spent, a, it was kind of like Superman Returned or something. They spent a lot of money before they ever got a foot of footage shot of this thing. So, but I like that, again, that they call out the scientific absurdity of all this and then we're done with that. Like, we're going to get that out of the way in Act One and we're done. We're not going to, we're not going to worry about that because this is going to be all about this chase that's going to happen. And, we see the lobster diver who sees the shark and he's so panicked by it, Nick, that he bites through his regulator on his on his breathing material and swims up so fast that he gives himself an embolism. Now, I don't know what the bends are. I've never had them, but I understand they're fatal and, and if not, incredibly painful. I've never been scuba diving, so I, I can't say that. But I did know someone who did do that where they didn't uh, – you got to – something with the pressure uh, as it's coming up. You got to you know go up slowly or something like that or something with your oxygen. I don't know what it is, but I knew someone who – they basically punctured a lung by coming up too Ooh. fast. So yeah. I do know that it's, uh, it is serious. And another reason I don't fly and I don't go below the water, I am good on dry land. <laughs> you are built for the earth is what you think. I, I am. I, 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 I love I love dirt. So <laughs> land lover. So well speaking of dirt, we, we do finally get our one romantic scene here with Eddie and Tina, um, who go out sailing and they're drinking their Coca Cola because that's a guy's little product placement there. And the shark attacks and you know, throws Eddie overboard. It's like the shark sets this up, though. This is what's awesome to me about this, is that this movie goes total slasher right here. The shark separates the two of them, so Tina can scream at Eddie to swim, and then he can circle back around, grab Eddie, slam Eddie into the boat so Tina can watch him devoured in front of her. That was a great kill, though, man, because he rips part of the boat off and everything. I mean, it. as a kid, I thought, holy smokes, what a... What a horrible thing to see you talked about last time that jaws was a horror movie in some ways i think this one is straight up a horror movie it's trying to be every you know slasher movie that will become it's the same movie it just doesn't have the group of core characters that you care about there's no central story to go around anymore there's no man overcoming his fear there's no three men trying to work together over their differences to accomplish a goal see, it's and, all and, about and, that, the and that's my opinion what makes great horror movies is by adding those elements into it i'm not a big slasher fan i don't like slasher the only like slasher movie you can even say that i i 
kind of like is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And, you know, that movie has plots in there and subplots and character arcs and everything like that. And that's why I like that movie. It's not so much about the Freddy kills, even though those are pretty cool in that movie. It's more about the characters and how I grew to like them. And that's the same thing with, like, the first Jaws is, like, yeah, it's a horror movie, but then it's got characters in there that I like. I like their arcs. I like what they're going through. But you mix in that horror in there, and it's, like, that, that's what makes a great horror movie is having all those elements in there. Otherwise, you just have a slasher movie. And that's why I'm going to say, like, the first Jaws is a horror movie where this is, like, a subgenre of it where this is a straight-up slasher movie. It is a slasher movie, and it's a big slasher kill here with them. And when they find her, too, she's still traumatized. From her. I like the fact that there there is actual residual collateral damage done to the people that see these other friends killed in front well, of them. Well, here's like my that. question, though. It, it kills... Uh... It kills. Oh God, he looks like. The, doesn't he look like the guy from The Simpsons, the Marge's like first boyfriend? He kind of does. Zip. His, yeah, his name, Artie, yeah, he kills Artie Zip there. His and, name's uh, his name's Eddie. So yeah, I'm calling him Artie. But um, <laughs> he uh, he um, but the shark leaves the girl. Am I right? I mean, mm-hmm. the shark doesn't do anything to that girl. And my question is like, when have we ever seen the shark do that? Where it just kind of like leaves someone alone? I mean, I guess it did it the the Bro- Brody's son in the first movie, yeah. but. I don't know. I just seem like, dude, it's like open bait right there. You know, maybe just swim around, have a nap, and there she is. You just go back and eat her later. I I think it, he was, you know, had eaten a lot of orca the day before. It's kind of like, you know, after Thanksgiving, that next day you're like, I'm hungry. I should eat, but I really don't need to. But I'll go ahead and take a bite of this. And he was a skinny so dude. So you're, you're telling me that the shark had a big meal and that the, when he ate this guy, this was kind of <laughs> like he ate so much, now he hates himself. So he kind of just like <laughs> swam off in shame. I, th- I think he went down to the coral to have, have a self-discovery. He was like, I got to I got to really rethink my priorities. My face is burnt. I mean, look what this is getting. You know, the shark is having an existential need. He was looking at, like, you know, gym (laughs) memberships to, like, Gold's Gym. He's like, I got to go. I got to change this up. He was going to the other part of the beach where Sean T was teaching some women aerobicized going, I think I could get in on some of this. See, that would have been awesome, though, if they would have, like, a (laughs) a shot of the shark, like, down there, like, kind of, like, elongated down, kind of doing, like, little jazzercise moves in the water. That would have been great. (laughs) Well, they couldn't. They could barely get it to move straight. It's it's a female shark, though. It's totally going to be doing in the jazzercise and everything like that. Water aerobics. He's, she's not going to be lifting weights. She's going to be doing a ro- water aerobics. It's and you know what's funny is all these things we're making fun of and talking about. If you've ever seen Shark Tale, that's pretty much what happens. All the sharks do all these things that we thought the jaw shark was doing when it wasn't on screen. So there is a an outlet for that. But this, of course, sends uh, you know Brody to the rescue. They find this girl, and I love when he finally gets her to talk. She just shark. You know, she loses her mind. And he's like, oh, no. And, of course, that to me would be like, now you have four or five other people there, Brody. Later on, when he goes to the town council, he should have had everybody there going, no, you remember Tina, the girl that we had cut the ribbon on the Holiday Inn? She said it was a shark, too. That might have made his case better. (laughs) The fact that he goes like a raving crazy man. And the next thing we really see him do is get in the, the shark observation tower while the people are being led around on a tour. Um, of, of a beachfront development property, and then he sees the school of bluefish and starts dropping thirty-eight rounds into it. You know, because that's going to do anything if, if, if it was a shark. Well, but I mean, he does here, poison them. He he gets those hollow points and he's putting like some kind of poison and wax. On I've for seen years. MythBusters, man. Those bullets break apart. They shot that... a fifty cal into the water. Didn't do anything. His <laughs> I was going to say handgun ain't going to hit anything from hundred yards back into the water. Yeah, that was uh, not going to do any good. Yeah, but any but anyways, um. What I the thing I I think they missed the boat on here, pun intended, <laughs> is um 
they really should have like shown Brody more in the beginning of this movie and him just being obsessed with sharks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they could show him like, you know, instead of him having like a man cave, you could have like a shark cave or something where, you know, he's reading up on sharks and he's got like all this stuff and he's just become like shark obsessed. So when he starts saying all this stuff, it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying or like, you got the town psychotic now. Yeah, he happens to be our chief, chief police. Um, but it just this is fitting into his psychosis because he's already obsessed with sharks. You know what I mean? It, it could have been something like that. Or maybe even better yet, maybe he had that he lost his job. You know what I mean? Maybe he was an alcoholic. You know, you came you came obsessed with sharks, and that's why his wife had to go get a job. And that he's that just work. sitting at home and just he lost his mind. And they're just saying it's like you're either crazy or you're using this to try to get back on the force. And I think instead you're adding an arc to him, though. You know what I mean? You're adding yeah. a kind of a redemption arc. The problem is, and I like your idea. I don't think it's bad. The problem is, is you have to accept at some point that there might not be a shark, but the audience already knows that there is. So then, what you do is you totally put the audience on one side of the film. Like that, don't, that tension would only work if, in some way, you could believe. Brody is just imagining things and these are just random accidents happening and, and a better film with a more dramatic tone that wanted to do something like that could probably pull that off. But this is Jaws 2. They've already yeah, told you but it's, yeah, what's going to be. Two, but Jaws 1 was such a solid movie. It didn't have all that bad stuff in no, it. No, but I don't but see why they couldn't it. try to make this something more. I mean, even like, you know, go back to my point about him maybe not being the cop. Maybe there is a new sheriff here. And that's like a point of tension for him. You got this other sheriff who is basically saying, no, this isn't a shark. This is a guy trying to, you know, that's that's lost it. And he's pushing his motives onto us now. And therefore, you have like a, instead of having a real estate developer being, you know, the other villain you have a cop you have another you have the new sheriff being the villain in a way you know what i mean to me it's just like that something like that works so much better than just going through the motions which this movie's doing at this point i get what you're saying and i don't disagree with the point but that is not at all what this movie was concocted to be you, you have to know when they built this thing they built it to be we're going to make a sequel sequels are kind of frowned upon but we think we can hit another home run out of this if we do it right and we give people what they want because the thing everybody talks about in retrospect about jaws all these years later is how you know the tension and the drama and the dialogue and the character stuff but in 1976 and 77 when the producers started looking at it all people talked about was the freaking shark and so they were like we just we got to give them shark and we're, it's more shark more shark they they had tried the dramatic thing. They they started down that road, and the studio had no faith in it. And I got to tell you, had they released what they were planning to do, they wouldn't have worked. Like it. it what well, now, they, what, what were they would, planning to do? I, I don't know the original stories of the uh, the you know Jaws two 1.0 script. <laughs> picking up that idea from the the first movie that there would be a mob tie. What they were going to show was that Amity had pretty much become a ghost town. It was going to be everything boarded up. Everything had really gone to hell because of the reputation it had. So these developers had come in with mob funds to build these, you know, resorts and things. And they were trying to revamp the economy. And Brody, of course, is out there being the town crier going, no, no, you know, there's there's sharks in these waters. And sure enough, another one shows back up. They, they were going to go with the whole bit of the town had been destroyed financially by that disaster. 
and what would it look like and if it tried to get back on its feet. And it, it and some of that still makes it into this film because these people have no patience for Brody at all. Like he said, he shoots up the beach. Everybody's freaking out. They have that great scene. He goes and gets the, the film developed from that diver's camera. And we get that, you know, sideways shot of the shark face and all that. And it's, you know, it, it's the beginning of every great conspiracy theory. You know, it's a little grainy photo of something that may or may not be there. And I'll, it's the best acting in the film is when Brody goes before the mayor and Peterson and those other town folk there and tries to plead his case. And they're all like, I don't know what that is, you know, and you get that sense. But they tried to go for they were going to go for that drama thing. That's what I'm saying. And they realized the that ma- was the not ma- yeah, because The mafia. Yeah, I would have vetoed yeah. the mafia crap, too. That would yep. have been pretty dumb. OK, now if they would have turned into like a big prostitution and alcohol bootlegging <laughs> thing, that would have been a little bit more interesting. Maybe you got a drunk shark. I don't know. That would have maybe been a little bit better. I don't know. But but either way, point point being is the chief shoots up the beach and he gets canned for it, and we promote the deputy who is obsessed with the water uh, to chief now. And, you know, we've got the whole thing with the, the teenage kids. Mike's supposed to be working, but he sneaks off, and his annoying brother comes with him and all that stuff. And we, we get, like, 20 minutes, it seems like. It's not that long, but it feels like of just, see, you know, scenes of people sailing boats. And i got to tell you, this is the part of the film where I start, like, going... Okay, I'm I'm kind of done with this. Like, let's can we move on? Can we move on? I I got really bored when it was just circus music and boating going on in Florida. Like, I didn't I didn't really sign up for that. Yeah, I mean they they could they should have done some different type of like action scene in there. Maybe have the new sheriff or chief go out there and you know run into the shark and get killed or something. And I met my big thing is like, why is the mayor living when this movie's over? Doesn't he deserve a <laughs> How death? is his kid still alive, too? That's like twice, right? I mean, yeah, Larry Jr. becomes the almost the hero of the friggin' thing in the end of it. I'm going to talk about these kids, man. They screw up the whole bit with the kids on the boats getting attacked. I like the idea that they all get, you know, swamped over and they basically have to kind of tie together to drift together because that, you know, it puts them all in the same small space. You don't want them all on one boat. So you've got everybody spread around. But, like, Mike Brody gets taken out of this so fast. Like, he hits his head, and the two people with an operational boat go, we're going to take him to get some help, and y'all just stay here. And then Larry Jr., the mayor's uh, son, becomes the, like, focal point of all the the teenage stuff. And I'm like, well, who the hell is he? I don't care. (laughs) I'm like, why wasn't that Mike Brody? That was a mistake. I was like, that should have been Mike. But when they take Mike back, why not take baby Brody too? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah, you take Why would you leave brother. the littlest kid out there? I'd be you know, he doesn't yeah. take up much room. You could probably put him in a seat bench or something. I Liability mean. too, because he can't really help you. He's not strong enough to do anything. You know, yeah, I'm he, with you. But moreover, moreover, that should have been Larry and Sean or somebody going back on the boat with the other guys. Mike Brody should have been left behind. He comes out looking like such a douche wimp in this movie man i it's it's terrible it's a terrible characterization yeah it should have been something where you know maybe the mayor's son got knocked out or something and they end up taking him back or something and then like the the mayor like decides like yeah we got to go do something and he goes on the boat and he gets killed i just want the mayor to get eaten i mean come (laughs) on and that's the thing too is like you look at this movie and look at the death counts it's not any more than the first movie. No, it's not. You you think it's going to be this massive that body up. count. You got to have a bigger yeah. death toll. You got to have more bodies dead. They really did. Yeah, I know. I was surprised by that because I had always sort of thought, yeah, this. And is you got all these kids season. out there too, mm-hmm. and it's like, how many of them really die? You know, I think it's like what two or two of them get killed. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not like, many of them. 
that Matt? Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's just come one, on. Really, They're sitting so, right yeah. there. And you know what? Let's change it up at the end. You know what? Maybe, you know, we keep on seeing this shark with the burned face. And then maybe, guess what? There's another shark. Have okay, two you, sharks. You just hit on my thing that I think is the biggest blown opportunity in this. They should have gone with two sharks. It should have it's been called was... Jaws 2. Exactly. Therefore, it could be kind of a, was it like a doubling tundra or whatever, where it's like, <laughs> it's a sequel, and yet there's two of them. Exactly. Like, the yeah, Jaws, the second movement, whatever you want to call it. Like, I could have bought, the, I would have liked that there were two sharks tag teaming these these kids. That would have been tension, man. Like, because the funny, there's a funny aside is that there's one shot where everybody starts looking terrified in the water and the producers just thought the kids were really getting it that day. And what come to find out, no, there was a school of hammerhead sharks circling beneath them and they were all scared out of their damn minds. They had no idea what was going on. They're like, what? what is it? Cause hammerheads are all over the Gulf. And so they're like, whoa, wait a minute. But I thought, you know, that's a great idea. If you had two sharks, think about how cool that would have looked to get an aerial shot and those two sharks just circling the, the drift. I'm like, man, that'd have been awesome, you know, but I, you know, they, they didn't want to go that route. They didn't do that. We do get the best action scene, though, here in this part. And this is, this is my favorite part of the movie. When the helicopter shows up and the guy with the Hank Williams Jr. beard or the Abraham Lincoln beard throws the rope and he's about to, you know, take off and Jaws eats the helicopter, you know, and, and destroys it. I thought you know, that was awesome. It, you know, it also it disables that sailing bunch forever because it throws all the blade into it. And I thought the helicopter thing was fantastic. I guess. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of reaching for something to compliment it at. I guess it it ate a helicopter. Why not? <laughs> well, it did that. But the the thing it does is it does set up the best kill in all of these sequels. I'm just going to say it right now. When Sean gets in the water and he's trying to get up on the little boat that's getting away, and the girl that had taken him out, Marge is her name, jumps in and pushes his nut him up and she's trying to climb up and that shark comes up behind her and obliterates her in front of him and everybody else screaming that is a great shot of that head chomping like that and you gotta admit that was a pretty awesome kill yeah it's fine it's fine i still prefer like the uh the 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 one in the first movie with uh the guy in the boat in the pond when you see the shark you know just for a couple seconds or the kid on the raft i think those are a lot more those are ingrained in my mind a little bit more but for what this movie has given us it's definitely the best kill of the movie i'll I'll give you that look jaws 2 has nothing on the original jaws i'm saying for what this movie is and what it is set up for it's what i thought the third act of the movie was going to be was jaws obliterating these teenagers one by one and honestly it probably should it's like he took down the orca you know the, the the shark in the first one it took down the orca pretty easily you know when it wanted to and these people they're, they're on you know sailboats with mesh bottoms and stuff like that <laughs> and i'm thinking i'm like why would there not be a scene of that shark breaking through one of those there is there's one scene where the shark comes back up through the middle of them and then dives down the the, the thing is but they like it, actually go up though and like grab someone and like oh, yeah. pull them down i mean you could i mean the scene writes itself where the guy's holding on to you know like the the fabric bottom and trying to hold on you know the thing ripping and pulling them through and then like the blood coming up and coming on there i mean it's stuff that's like so obvious but i guess i, I don't know Gotta keep i don't think PG it was writing. Odd. I don't think it was obvious to them, and I will say this too. I think a lot of that is the fact that there was only so much they could get the mechanical shark to do, and the fact that they got it to do twice as much as it had done before, they felt like was a huge success. There's, when they're pulling Brody up, and that shark comes by, and the mouth roars and chomps down. I mean, of course, that's total bullshit with the shark roaring, but it's an awesome shot. 
I mean, it's a great shot of those jaws clamping down. It's exactly what the audience wanted because at the time, that would have felt like it was coming right at you in a theater, man. I was like, this movie's giving you everything you want in the third act. It's just not doing it as if it had, the whole movie had been that. It, it's probably a better experience. But they they got to what they realized was the the best part of this was when the the shark can disable these kids' boats and get them all together and start attacking them. I just really thought there were going to be more kills too. I mean, they, there really aren't any more after that girl gets destroyed like that. I mean, that's the last kill. The rest of them, it swims by and scratches some chick. And then that's, I mean, you know, and then it gets electrocuted. Oh. So. <laughs> it's got scratch. Hey, hey, that will work, though, man. We're going to ump the like tension. Saw, We're so. going to scratch a girl. Hey, man, the the shark skin will do that to you. Everybody knows that. So, But, no, I do think that was a great kill. I'm calling but that. Even, but even, like, you know, let's say it took out the boats and it, like, kind of goes back to, like, Quinn's story where they're all in the water and stuff like that. And they're all floating around in the water and, you know, the shark's going up and grabbing them individually or something. Now, again, I mean, if they just, had two sharks, that would work great. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. But you might as well get to the climax when uh, Chief Brody shows up. In a boat that he has no idea how to operate, by the way. He's even said, I don't even know how to run this thing. He gets in a boat, and this is going to be a theme with the Brodies, getting in boats they don't know how to operate, by the way. Just hold on to that. He gets in the boat. He goes out there. He he bumps into Mike and the two dudes sailing away, who Mike now it seems completely fine. Like he had a concussion 10 minutes ago, but no, he's fine. You know, he's ready to go. And they tell him where, they're, where they are. They're out at Cable Junction. Okay, so he starts heading out that way, and he's, you know, he's looking for the kids and he gets there and as he's trying to you know throw the rope over and all that the shark shows up and of course says ah there you are been waiting on you and you know turns it all to hell and brody crashes his boat into the because he doesn't know what he's doing obviously i mean it, he sees the shark and he just hits the gas might as well yeah they they, they, they should have done something like out of kill bill where it's showing the shark eyes and then brody's <laughs> eyes and doing that music <laughs> no that would have made this awful they played this right the tension of this works because they'd set up for us early on when they're dragging the bottom after the water skiers get blown up about the power line thing so brody's got the the rope on the hooks check off check off's power line check off's power line exactly they're bringing it back and then here comes the power line and then you get that other bit, the other piece of useful information that the woman told him was that sharks are attracted to blood and thrashing about and sound. So he starts beating the hell out of that uh, power line with a boat paddle to get the shark's attention. And it's like, come and, come and get it. <laughs> you know, it's sort of what it is. Dinner and, time, come I mean, and get it, it. It is. It is so dumb. The only, and I love the way this looks though, because the shark coming through, the way it's getting pulled in the water, all the the drama, the music, everything is working right there. The thing is, is open up and say ah uh, has nothing on smile, you son of a bitch, as a killer line before the shark grabs the line. And I'm like, they couldn't come up with anything better than that. That just, it seems so weak. <laughs> I don't know. It's dinner time. <laughs> I, I don't want him to go full, full Hulk Hogan here. I just need something better than open up and say ah. Uh. Eat this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Chief Brody needs a little Arnold Schwarzenegger line with every shark kill. But I don't know. I'm, I'm always thinking like during this, like the sharks like coming at him. He's got the, like the you know the wire like at the perfect mouth level. I think I'm like it would have been so much cooler if like the shark would have like also just like went underneath the water. It kind of like in Predator where like Arnold's calling the predator to come towards him. It goes nope. I'm gonna go around the other way. It's like 
What if the shark would have done that? Yeah, well, if a shark would have done what it normally does, which is go down and hit you from below, because that's how sharks attack. They don't yeah. go straight at. They do like the yeah, they do like the upside down bomber move where they go down and like shoot up. How much exactly. that would have been really cool to see like Brody just get like totally chopped away. Well, if he if he had chomped Brody and the power line at the same time, I would have bought that. Goes you know he goes down like Quinn. How does Brody even live doing this? You know what I mean? Again, I, I don't know much about I don't know much about electricity and <laughs> water power lines and you know shark bite force or something but him being that close to that much electricity i gotta imagine that you know he's he's fried somehow by doing that he doesn't even have a hair sticking up out of place that's the amazing part like really it like i'd see the kids running out of the water they're like oh shit i might want to get out of the water see that would have been so much better though like if like brody would have like shot back in the water and they all thought he died or something then he climbs out of the water and they're like are you okay and he goes that was shocking. <laughs> you wanted to beat Sean Connery in a James Bond movie now? Hell yeah. <laughs> he might as well have been, right? I mean, but really, I I do, I've always said the end of this is, is amazing, as is, is implausible as it is, because it wouldn't set the shark on fire or anything like that. It probably would just jolt shock it, and then it would, you know, lay over <laughs> and die. Hit the power line, got shocked, and then, like, shot back and ended up flying to the kid's rafts or something, <laughs> something right? But you've got that going on, and here's the thing. The boat is disabled. The radio is disabled. They're out in the middle of you know the cable junction before the Atlantic. Nobody knows they're out there because the one guy who did was the the uh, the helicopter guy. I guess his son and the other two kids. Yeah, know. I was so gonna say the get, other kids know. So where they, they got to go I'm... tell everybody. So they'll eventually get back. They're they're fine. But yeah, I I mean, how do you explain when you get back to the darkened town? Well, I killed this shark, y'all. The only way I could kill it was to have it eat the town's power line. I'm sure that's not going to win you your job back, Brody. Uh, but apparently it does, because as we'll see in later continuity. But uh, yeah, very, very, if you apply any logic to it and you slow it down for five seconds, you're like, well, this is the dumbest thing ever. But if you sort of go with it, it's a satisfying end for what this movie's been. However, when you're sitting here looking at it with a critical eye, it is pretty absurd. Yes, it is pretty absurd, <laughs> It is. It is. It is. It is butt nuts crazy at the end of this movie. I don't know. It's just like I said, I, I just I go back and think about Jaws and just, you know, every little thing about that. And then we're getting a power line and a shark eating it with a burned face. <laughs> OK, I guess I get the sad part, though, is I know where the series goes. And this is like the high point of the series as far as the sequels go. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I, I do think it's time for final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So you'd start yours. Go ahead and finish them up for Jaws too. Well, I'm going to be a little bit of a spoiler whore right now and say I, I've seen three and four, and if I give this one a small popcorn, it's just going to put it on the same level as the movies that are coming out. So by that, I can't. So just knowing what's coming later it's it's a medium popcorn and it's just because i know what's coming later if this would have been the only sequel i mean jaws you got an extra large popcorn and then you got this is a very small but just within where it sits in the series it's it's a medium popcorn you know you're not wrong in saying that this is a sharp drop from where it's been and and a, and a decent plateau from where maybe it's going we'll get to those in another day but just on its own for what it is I said before, there's a lot of this movie that just feels superfluous. I feel like if you could cut out a lot of just the scenery and all that stuff, maybe you miss some of the, 
I don't know, some of the good-looking shots of people walking in 70s-style swimwear on a beach with John Williams circus music. But I didn't really need any of that to make this work. I was here for what they wanted me to be here for, for the shark to do something. And, yes, it's absurd, and it's dumb, and it's it's all sequel tropes out the wazoo. But I can't lie and say I don't have fun watching it. And especially for the last act, when everything goes to hell and the shark is, is terrorizing the people on the boats and the helicopter and all of that, and even the ridiculous electrifying ending, I still have a ton of fun watching this. And I always will. I think I just hold a soft spot for this one. So it's not anywhere close to the first one. But it's not anywhere close to the worst sequel I've ever seen in any series. And so I'm going to give it, because that third act is so satisfying for me, I'm going to give it just the slightest bit of large popcorn. It's like that matinee you go to, but you, you go ahead and say, yeah, I'll have the large today. You know, it's just enough to get you over. But it's by no means what the first one was and shouldn't be considered as such. But again, if you can go in knowing what it is, I think you can have a good time with it. Large popcorn, Jay. Wow, my mouth is open right now. I I am shocked. Right, I, I, dude, this is like the anaconda of shark. Movies. And you gave that a large popcorn, so I don't want to hear it. So. Yeah, but John Same. Boyd winking is so much better than short shorts and a guy that looks like Art. You know, looks like Garfunkel. There, okay. It's so. Uh, oh, 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 whatever, I, man. Hey, look, I came into this telling you I was a fan of these movies. So I I hold this one up again. This one and Halloween 2 kind of fall in the same realm. I actually tell you, I think Halloween 2 is a better sequel. Oh, my I God. Halloween 2 it. sucks, dude. <laughs> and I know you hate Halloween 2, but but I, I hold them in the same. They're kind of in the same level for me, the way that they work in terms of compared to the original. I had fun with this. I also know very well where we are going. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Jaws 3 and Jaws the Revenge here. Jaws uh, 3D? <laughs> yeah, there's that too. So we'll, we'll talk about all of that because I actually saw this in a theater in 3D. We'll get there next time. Folks, thanks for joining us on this latest edition of Filmstrip. You can find all of our episodes on our iTunes feed. Also, uh, go to our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. You can hook up with us there on social media. If you like the show, give us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate the support. Until next time, we go swimming in the water. For Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.